Do you believe there was a time in football history when pass interference was not a foul? Well, Timothy P. Brown of footballarchaeology.com joins us today to talk about one of his tidbits that talks about this facet of the penalty and its evolution in football history. Tim comes up in just a moment to tell us all about it. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And welcome to another Tuesday where we get to visit with our friend Timothy P. Brown of footballarchaeology.com. Tim, welcome back to the Pigpen. Good to see you and hear from you. Oh, wait, I'm getting a little interference. Yes. No, okay. No, it wasn't. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I didn't think you'd okay, have. Okay, I'll stop doing that. I, I, I didn't I'll stop have a segue that. into this one, but uh, folks, he did it again. Uh, his, his tidbit was titled <laughs> Back in September Changes in Pass Interference Penalties. And that's why Tim was really stretching it out there to get the interference uh, for. <laughs> For his, uh, his customary intro into his tidbit. Uh, so, Tim, you know, pass interference has really been a big play, uh, you know, for decades. Uh, you know, I think in our generations, that's, you know, that's probably the biggest penalty where people gain the most yardage in, in our era. And, uh, you know, people are almost anticipating every time a long pass is being thrown, they're hoping for one of two things, either if you're on offense, pass interference on the defense or the guy catches the ball. So what can you tell us about uh, the pass interference back uh, in this era that you're talking about? Yeah, so, you know, it's, um, yeah, one of the most interesting things about pass interference is that, you know, the forward pass was legalized in 1906. But the first two years, they did not have a pass interference penalty, you know. <laughs> so they just they didn't foresee the need to have a penalty, and and part of it is, you know, I mean, if you again, you got to go back to okay, what were they thinking when they introduced and legalized pass interference? They were not thinking about the downfield passing game that we have today. They were thinking about, you know, a short toss to somebody who's ahead of you. Um, you know, kind of like, you know, an option, an option quarterback who's, you know, flicking it to, to the guy behind him. You know, they were thinking the forward pass would be like that. Just little dumps, basketball shots to somebody. Um, And, and initially, um, you know, the, the ineligible receivers were not limited in terms of where they could go. They could go downfield. They could block, you know, I mean, they could block defenders and, Um, and so some of the initial pass plays were basically guys who, you know, the, the offensive line would let everybody go and then kind of the receiver would kind of get in the middle and, you know, be guarded by his teammates. And then they kind of took the ball into the middle of that circle and then he'd catch it and they'd block for him. Yeah. So, 
so the defensive players were coming in there, you know, flying in, trying to break it apart or break it up because there wasn't any defensive pass interference and the offensive guys were blocking like they would because uh, there was an offensive pass interference. So, mm-hmm. you know, it took them two years, but then they figured out, okay, well, maybe we, we shouldn't allow this, uh, you know, to be the case. And while the linemen still were able to go downfield, that didn't change. No, I'm blanking out, but I say it started changing in the 30s. So, you know, there was a long time where linemen could, could be downfield. Um, and so in 1908, they said, okay, pass interference was like a 15-yard penalty on the offense and a five-yard penalty on the defense. Um, <laughs> and I forget exactly why they why they distinguished the two. Um you know, maybe it's just because, you know, the the offense was the one who's throwing the ball, and so they, they have more control. Um, but then in 1910, then it, uh, pass interference became a loss of a down for the offense and a 10-yard penalty on the D. So, you know, that became, uh, that became the norm. And, you know, one of the things that uh, I, I always find interesting is there are elements of the game – and elements of you know, how players make decisions and things that are considered unsportsmanlike in an earlier era, but then now we treat it as like, well, that's smart play. And so one of those was as, you know, when there was a loss of down for the, or a 10 yard penalty on the defense, they kind of figured, okay, hey, if I'm getting beat on a pass, I'm just tackle the guy. Now, I'm just going to tackle the receiver. And because I'd rather get, take, you know, accept a 10 yard penalty than allow a touch pass. And so, I mean, we do that today, right? I mean, a smart right. D-back is going is to do that. But at the time, you know, once they started doing that, I mean, it took them a few years to do that. But once they started doing that, then it was, that was viewed as really unsportsmanlike. You know, you were, you were cheating or you were, you know, it was outside the spirit of the rules. So in 1916, uh, you know, the colleges increased the penalty to 15 yards from 10. And then in 1917, they made it a spot. Hole. So, you know, you tackle somebody 35 yards downfield or you inter- interfere 35 da- yards downfield, then that's where the ball spotted. And so, so that stayed the case um, for a long time. Uh, but then they, they started having concerns. And this is another kind of regular recurring theme in football is, you know, the idea that, for really long penalties or severe penalties or questionable penalties, the officials don't want to make those calls. So they swallow their flags. And so on these long pass interference penalties, when it's a spot foul, people felt like the, the referees swallowed the flags. And so they, they finally said, no, you know, we got to get rid of that situation. And so in 1984, then the colleges went to a 15-yard penalty. Whereas the pros retained, you know, it's still a spot foul, you know, in the pros. So, um, and let me, I'll just interject by saying this whole issue of the um, <clears throat> the long penalty or that doesn't even have to be a long penalty, but one that's, you know, feels like it has an impact on the game. That was one of the reasons why they got rid of, um, you know, the, the penalty for the, what what now is being called the tush push 
mm-hmm. you know, that aiding the runner and helping the runner. That was one of the reasons they got rid of that was because it was a difficult, you know, sometimes they called it, sometimes they didn't. It's a judgment call. And obviously it's, you know, it's either somebody's going for a first down or somebody's going for a touchdown. So it had a big impact. And so, and, you know, they just felt like, you know, the referees officials were reluctant to call it. So they basically got, took that out of the game, you know, and then later, you know, added it back in, but it's, it's just one, you know, those, those things are kind of interesting to me. Um, so both the, the, the idea of people like you referees who swallow their whistles or their flags when, you know, on a, on a long, you know, longer, you know, important penalty situation. Uh, so just that idea, and then, um, you know, the the change in perception from unsportsmanlike kind of behavior to, hey, that's a smart play. You know, hey, the guy was, you know, tackle the receiver, do whatever you got to do. Don't let don't let him get the long one. Yeah, so. it, it's interesting when you, you're talking uh, early in this conversation and you were telling, you know, how the evolution of the forward pass in the first couple of years of bringing this rule up about. And you sit there and you got to think back, you know, with with these folks, these rules makers, they had no idea, like you said, what the forward pass was going to end up being. And they had no idea what people were going to try to do to gain an advantage. And <laughs> So that's why you see these changes and everything. So it's it really it's kind of fun to to go back and try to look at it from their perspective. And I think you do that in a lot of your your articles that you put on here, and uh, you know explaining the rules the way you do. And it's it's really a, an interesting endeavor to to go back and think that way. You know, God, these guys didn't even think the you know ball is going to go downfield. So why would anybody interfere with them? Yeah. You know, just playing football. You know? Yeah, and so it's funny. I've got it's an article I've been making notes on for two years probably but it's basically the article is the gist of it is um what were people thinking and in 1906 so if you were a coach and you know speculating on how the forward pass is going to work both you know offense and defense you know how did you prepare you know because you hadn't seen it yet it hadn't happened right and so there's a lot of really interesting uh, newspaper articles of all these experts, you know, respected people. So oh, here's the way it's going to work. You know, <laughs> most of them are wrong. You know, <laughs> their conception of what a forward pass was going to be and how it would change the game was just off. And most people, you know, thought that the the onside kick from scrimmage was going to have much more you know, substantial effect. And in fact, for the first couple of years, it probably did. Um, but, you know, the, the other thing about like rules like this is it just, it's a reminder that when you're playing a game, no matter if it's Monopoly or Parcheesi or, you know, Hopscotch or whatever, uh, but football, there's lots of rules and every one of them is arbitrary. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you could change that rule tomorrow and, you know, it's like the tush, tush push, you know, it's a big controversy, but you could change it tomorrow. And there's nothing sacred about it. There's nothing preordained. It's just, that's what people decided to make the rules. And so change whenever and however you want. And for penalties as well, it's what's a penalty and what's the relative punishment that should be tied to each penalty. 
all arbitrary, right? It, it, it's so like it's I, just, I, I tell people all the time, you know, it's the most complicated athletic uh, event in the world. It's got the most complicated rules, let's say say that. And the most complicated of those rules of the game are the plays that only happen once in a while, the kicking game. That's where, and that's where all the crazy stuff happens. You yeah. know, it's the offense and defense. That's you know, a piece of cake. It's you get in the kicking game rules, it's ooh, you know, bar the doors because it's <laughs> some craziness is yeah. gonna happen. And we see it all the time. And so it's uh it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Tim, you have some great uh, articles, you know, just like this each and every day that uh, talk about an aspect of football, from, mainly from antiquity and, uh, you know, explaining how it got to the point of uh, it is today or maybe an advertisement or piece of equipment. You know, how can other people uh, share and, and read your tidbits? Maybe you could give them some information. Uh, so easiest thing is just go to www.footballarchaeology.com. You can subscribe there and get an email every night at seven o'clock Eastern, and with that day's story. Um, if you don't want the emails, you can follow me on Twitter or uh, uh, Threads because I, I posted both those. Or um, you know, set up a Substack account, and you know they've got a reader, uh, and so you'll get you know whichever Substack, um, whichever Substacks you you know, apply to or follow, you'll, you'll get those coming through your feed uh, as well as the ability to browse for others. So, you know, that's a great way to do it too. Um, so whichever one works for you, um, have at it. All right. Well, Tim Brown, footballarchaeology.com. Your link is in our show notes. Uh, you know, listeners, you can go there and, and look at Tim's stuff and uh, enjoy his work. And we will talk to you again next Tuesday. Thanks, Tim. Thank you. We're taking a peek over at the chains and the down marker. It's fourth and long. We're going to have to punt the ball and get on out of here, but we'll have another series tomorrow for your football history headlines, so be sure to tune in. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleat Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. Pigskindispatch.com is a proud affiliate of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of sports yesteryear.